Hello and welcome into another episode on the Mahumba Pastor's Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is a continuation of our series on the book of Acts. The title of the lesson is Acts 9, Seasons of Respite. And we're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 9, verse 31, which says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The time from Pentecost in Acts 2 to this verse in chapter 9 has been a tumultuous one for the church. It began with persecution of their leaders, then came the execution of Stephen, and after that, wholesale persecution against any person who affirmed faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus mentioned in his life how everyone would be salted with fire. In Mark chapter 9, verse 49, we read, For everyone will be salted with fire. Now, what does that statement refer to, to be salted with fire? Well, one, fire is described as God's purging mechanism of his children. In Malachi chapter 3, Verses 2 and 3, when describing the Lord's coming servant, the Bible says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. And what is salt? We see that fire is this purging mechanism. What is salt? Salt is used both as a seasoning and a preservative. The expression salted with fire seems to imply then that God makes us the salt of the earth through trials. Now this shouldn't be strange to us. The Bible tells us in Acts 14 verse 21 and 22, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. The highway of the Christian life contains many trials meant to produce God's refinement in our lives. The psalmist mentions this is something that God only does for his beloved children, in Psalm 11, verse 5, we read, The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. It's interesting to consider that God does not test the wicked because he hates him, but tests the righteous because he loves him. This word translated as test comes from a Hebrew word meaning to try out something's strength. It has the idea of seeing what something is made of and its quality. For example, in ancient pottery, some potters would cover their clay vessels with a thin layer of silver to make the, the vessel appear like it was solid silver. But on closer examination, a buyer could see by the weight and feel that it was just an ordinary clay pot. Trials reveal what we are made of and help us to change. God says this of their work in us. In Romans chapter 5 from verse 3 to 5, we read, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance,
endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We see that trials in our lives are actually evidence that God loves us. But perhaps you find yourself in a moment saying, but Lord, this is too much. This has continued too long. My strength is gone. I can't take anymore. We have all felt that at times. But I want us to understand something else from this verse that we are, are reading today and, and where we see it placed in the church's development. God knows just how to train us without overwhelming us. We see he gives us time to catch our breath. I played basketball when I was in university, and before the season started each year, we had preseason conditioning at a track. I remember my first year of university arriving in not very good condition as a runner. I hadn't spent much time running that, that off-season to prepare myself for what was coming. The first morning on the track, I was wondering to myself if it was possible as an 18-year-old to die of a heart attack because I was breathing so hard from all the running that we were doing. Our coaches made us run all sprints. There was no jogging. You couldn't run at half speed. You were only allowed to run at full speed. And if we went too slow, the coaches would shout at us angrily. We started with 400 meter sprints, which is not a short distance to sprint. Then we would mix in sprints of 200 meters, running as fast as we could. We would get a break for maybe around 30 seconds, and then the whistle would blow again, and off we would go again. Many of us vomited in those first few days. Just when we thought we couldn't do any more, my coach would then tell us to get on the starting line for 100 meter sprints. Some of the team would groan and say, please coach, no, we can't do this. It was a painful process we didn't enjoy. But you know what happened to us? We could run and run without getting tired when we played in a game. My coach didn't push us so far that we died. He produced in us what we were too lazy to achieve by ourselves. How did God bring about this season of peace and prosperity for the church? It seems the salvation of Paul, who was the church's biggest enemy, along with stricter measures from the Roman governor, caused the persecution to cease for a while. And the text tells us that in this moment, the church was built up, walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We see that actually the trials the church had gone through prepared them for this moment of peace. I, I, wanna, I want you to understand that, that peacefulness and prosperity can be sometimes something that actually hinders our growth as a Christian and even causes our destruction. So as, as we're concluding today, I want us to note these two qualities the church walked in. It mentions that they walked in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. One of the dangerous things about not being challenged is that we become lazy. For example, when we have 20 things we must do in a day, we begin right away and work hard. But we, when we have just one thing to do, we might use the whole day to accomplish just that one thing. 
our fear of God, devotion to God, zeal for God, and unity with His Spirit should not be neglected in the enjoyable moments of peace God gives us. But many times, that's what peace can produce in us. We abuse the Holy Spirit, and we become apathetic about the purpose of our salvation. In contrast, believers in prison can never forget the purpose of their salvation. Trials are not bad things, friends. They don't mean God doesn't love you. They are actually proof that he does. Don't fear your life will be one big trial. We have a Father who loves us and is making us new. He knows when we need rest and when rest might destroy us. Let's trust him fully with our lives, not letting circumstances dictate our feelings, but leaning on the promises of God in all seasons. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God bless you all.